Augmenters, I'm Julie. And I'm Jimmy. And we believe authentic, connected relationships are the key to growing to your potential. Today, we are joined by Natasha Pierre, CEO of Shine with Natasha, host of Shine Online Podcast, part of the HubSpot Podcast Network, and online video mentor. Today is a very exciting episode because it is also the first time (laughs) we are filming us live with all of our glamour around us to do our intro and outro. So Natasha was a great guest. We had a lot of fun. I got some sayings out of it even, such as number one takeaway, binge the cringe. Realize that just like me right now on video, I'm going to be a little dorky and probably making myself laugh more than others, but that's just how it is. Our second takeaway is to think about authentic connections digitally and that when you reach out to somebody in a DM, you should act just like you would act if you saw that person in real life at a networking event. I think that's a powerful mental model for authentic connections digitally. And my third takeaway was a video is worth 10,000 words. Screw that. A picture is worth a thousand. A video is worth 10,000. And Natasha shows us that towards the end of the episode. So here we go. Natasha, Pierre, welcome to Augmenters. We're so happy to have you on today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Excited to be here. Natasha is a HubSpot Podcast Network sib, a sibling, and we are so excited to spend some time with you to learn more about you, about what you're up to at Shine Online, and hear some, hopefully, a few tips for us video newbies over here uh, who are gently dipping our toes into (laughs) video, but have not been willing to even go to our ankles, knees, or swim yet. Hoping we can get a little bit of insights from you. But before we jump in, we'd love to just hear a little bit about yourself. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're up to? Yes, absolutely. So I'm Natasha of Shine with Natasha. I'm a video marketing coach for small business owners that are wanting to feel more confident with leveraging the power of video for their brands. And I actually started my journey as a social media manager. And what I really realized is that people wanted to show up, but they really felt so stuck on how to do that. And so that's where I kind of evolved my brand into being more educational content, coaching resources. And that also was where my podcast the Shine Online podcast came to be. That is amazing. So Natasha, I think this is an important question regarding branding. (laughs) Is Shine Online coming from your disposition or the sunny disposition of Southern Florida where you went to school? Both. It's a hybrid. It is absolutely a hybrid. When I was thinking of my brand, so my old brand name when I was social media management was trying to be a little agency was Soul Studio, S-O-L, which is sun in Spanish. And mm. I knew I, I, ironically, I was like, I don't want my name to be in my brand. LOL. It's now my brand. But I really <laughs> was like, I wanted my brand to have that feeling and that vibe that I feel like I have. And as much as I love being in sunny Florida, I definitely feel like that positivity and that high energy and the joy that I hope to bring with my brand and bring into the marketing space is kind of exemplified in the yellow and the shine. So it's a little bit of both. I got you. I was like, I could tell you're not from Seattle because like, no. you know, like the, the Rainmakers <laughs> podcast doesn't have the same, you know, style. I really love Seattle, though. Ironically, maybe it's because we have so much sun. I'm like, give me the gloom and doom and cold. (laughs) 
Well, you feel very obligated. I feel like the sun makes you like, you know, you can't just be like under the covers. It's yes. the, the sun's looking at you like, come on. Yeah. Really? For sure. Get outside. Get outside. <laughs> and if we're here really talking about mentoring, as you know, here on Augmenters, we're a leadership podcast helping people connect more authentically with others and grow to their potential. One way we always hear people talk about themselves is about mentors who believed in them before they believed in themselves. So did you have a mentor early on in your life or somebody who really believed in you before you were really ready to believe in yourself? And what did that look like? Yes, absolutely. And I feel like that is like my founder story, my entrepreneurial story, actually. So while I was still in college, I had a lot of amazing internships, but my first was with a woman named Lauren. She had her own digital marketing business. It was 100% remote. She worked by herself. And I had like, I was like, what? I had never even heard of that. That was just totally new to me. And she really took us under her wing. And with what I learned from her during that time is she really opened our minds to whatever we wanted to build or create with our careers. We, we could do that. And so it kind of planted the seed. I was a freshman in college. So the thought of entrepreneurship was not even like in the horizon at all for me, but it definitely did show me what was possible. And so circle back to I'm about to graduate and I'm having the crisis that all potential graduates have of now what am I going to do with the rest of my life now that I'm not in college? Like, what is my career going to be? And with my long term internship at the time where I was an account coordinator, they kind of just let me go really abruptly. And I was like, oh, I thought this was going to be my full time thing. And I kind of like extra panicked. And so I just really sat with myself and I was like, what do I want to do when I graduate? Like I was studying public relations and it was kind of marketed as this like you're gonna get this really big salary and work with all these big brands and all these different things and I was like I don't think that's what I want to do and so I just circled back to that seed that she planted and I remember I it was like right before my 21st birthday I was like can you hop on a zoom call and she's like yes and so I was like hey I think I want to do social media management for small businesses what do you think like you know, and she was like, go for it. I'll give you your first client. And I was like, oh my gosh. Okay. We're like, this is starting like right Shout now. Out Lauren, <laughs> yeah. that's amazing. So yeah. So literally in the next two months after that, I built my brand soul studio. I had little, a little sun logo, my yellow, everything. I built my website. I built out some packages. I started putting my services on websites like Upwork, which was really popular at the time for freelancing. If anyone's not, Jimmy is a huge Upwork fan. Oh, there we go. Huge fan. Yeah. That's where I got my first two clients. And so when we're talking about mentorship, quite literally, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily say I wouldn't be where I am without her, but I honestly don't know where I would have been without not only seeing what was possible, but just having her encouragement and mentorship for that first year of business. And ironically, I know I said she gave me my first client, but that was not a good fit client. And so it was kind of one of those conversations where I'm like so panicked. I'm like, she gave me a client. I can't let her down. And I I was like my first realization of having boundaries in entrepreneurship. I was like, hey, I don't think this is a good fit. I don't want to do it if it's not going to be beneficial for both of us. And she was like, yes, I love that. Go for it. And so it was like those little 
little things that like was kind of helping me build my own confidence in myself as a business owner and as a social media manager and as a marketer that really propelled me to where I was to this day. So I just owe her absolutely everything to starting my entrepreneurship journey. Natasha, I'd love to hear, because we get this question a lot, like, okay, I, I have the mentor who's going to take the video with me or the video call. And then X happens, like this amazing story you just told. What happened with this mentor in like the one or two interactions before you had that video call? Like what, how did you either, whether it's staying in touch or how did you run into them? Like, how did you kind of keep the relationship say available. Absolutely. I think it started when I was interning for her company. I mm. really kind of went above and beyond to try to do my best, even though it was my first internship. I had like pretty much zero skills, but I was willing and willing to learn anything. I asked questions. I was really just absorbing as much as possible. And I think she saw the like, this could be something, which I think allowed her to pour more into me, which is something she's told me. She's like, I could just see you had it. And so I think that's why she continued to pour more into me. But really between that, because I was like almost two, three years after till I started my business, we just stayed in touch. And like, I would just update her on what I was doing, my new internships, my projects. I would kind of stay in the loop of what she was doing in her business. So it was kind of like email conversations, like nothing really grand, maybe touching base a few times throughout those years. But I think it was actually more of the foundation we set with that relationship of showing her I was willing to put in the work and that I had something to offer and her having the willingness of I want to pour into you. So once we were kind of to that stage, it almost like brought it all to fruition. So she was like ready to kind of give me that mentorship and that next level. Natasha, my brain is on fire because I love how you just described that. We had our very first podcast guest who was my uh, mentor and former boss, Pete Brace, and he said, you gotta wanna. And I was like, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, like you gotta wanna. And like, I'm sure she saw in you, like you wanted to learn, like you wanted to grow. And sometimes we get questions from people like, oh, you know, I have an internship and I didn't get a job or, you know, they're not really respecting me or I'm not. But I think that enthusiasm and those questions that you asked with so much humility, right? It's like you didn't know how to do any of this and you were really willing to show up that she was able to see that in you, that those kind of interactions link to so many great things happening down the road. With her actually giving you a client, like as in sort of agency owner myself, like that's a big deal, although maybe it was a bit of a a turkey, but that's okay. Uh, Maybe she was like, actually, here, you take this client. I think it was a little bit more of that. (laughs) But either way, the gesture was amazing because it forced me to get started. And like I said, it, it forced me to have the ability to communicate boundaries because I think it helps everyone involved. Like if I would have went forward with that client that wasn't a good fit, it would have burned every bridge for her and that client, me and her. And so I think it it taught me a really valuable lesson. And I think that's where when we build that foundation of trust and like, yes, she was my mentor, but like we are humans and we are connecting. I think that allowed us to have those those tough conversations. So speaking of a tough conversation, I'm not sure how to ask this, but was your mentor running the business called Beef Studs? Was that your internship? <laughs> No, no, okay. it wasn't. <laughs> no, that was one Jimmy of my. was going to apply. <laughs> that was one of my college um, hobbies. No. I did not name it or suggest okay. the name, and it actually had nothing to do with what we actually did. 
Gotcha. Because it was something I didn't feel comfortable uh, uh, Googling. Uh, <laughs> depending on the so. app. I feel like I have to give like the explanation of what abuse stud is, even though it has nothing to do with mentorship. But um, it was actually for the university I went to, the University of South Florida. We had our beef studs club, which like I said, I did not name. You can probably guess which group in the college realm named the the club. But essentially we would paint our bodies in green and gold paint and we would go to football games and cheer on the football team. So we were essentially just like a spirit squad. That's what we should have been called, but that's not what we were called. <laughs> wow. Back to branding. It all goes back to branding. Yes, branding. I don't, back to branding. I don't think I've ever mentioned that in any professional sphere of my entire career. So I think this is this is a gem. <laughs> <laughs> we Jimmy, Jimmy yeah we, deep. we go yeah we go deep on augmenters here we really ask the hard <laughs> questions I love it I love it okay so I'm going to transition from beef to turkey <laughs> to talking turkey Natasha we need help tell mm. us a little bit about what you do for people like us now and we have some serious questions to ask you the first may or may not be will you be our mentor but <laughs> but let's start with what you what you do now yes absolutely and and so I mentioned video marketing and there's actually two main parts that I find that I help my clients with the most the first is like the content strategy where should I be creating what should I be creating what is the goal behind what I'm creating? And then how am I creating it? What is my content creation workflow and tools and processes really look like? That is like what everyone thinks about the sexy part of video marketing. But then there's the other part that I know we kind of talked about off air is that like, I don't want to be on video. There's like all the mindset things. I don't want to be on video. I don't like that video is blowing up. I don't feel comfortable on camera. I mean, all the things that come up, I've heard it everything under the sun, but I often feel find like in my programs with my clients, yes, we'll talk about the strategy, but it's a lot more about the but why don't you want to be in camera? Like we have to kind of start there before we can even go to the next phase. So that's really the two things that I help my my clients with so they can reap the benefits of video. I think I don't, I'm like literally preaching to the choir with everyone listening of that. Like video is obviously going to continue to be a big part of how we consume and create on social media on any platform. And so I think the importance of it and the desire to do it is there for most brands. But I think the actually getting there and pressing publish on a consistent basis is where a lot of people struggle. And that's where I aim to help them. So is that at all like the comment that great politicians are folks who don't actually want to run for office? Like they don't want the power, therefore you want to put them in office? Is if you find clients like, I can't wait to be on video, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to be fantastic. I'm made for the screen. Are you a little <laughs> more hesitant than the folks that maybe need to get over some fears about it because they don't, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, I would say I probably have never heard that exact response because almost everyone, even if they're currently creating video, has some type of obstacle that's keeping them from consistently doing video. They could be burnt out from all the videos they're creating. That's a big one I hear is like, I'm creating the videos, but I'm burnt out. I'm always creating. I'm on that hamster wheel. I'm looking for the next trend, all those different types of things. So while I'm sure there's the superstars on video out there, I know they 
they exist. I think even for myself, I didn't want to be on video when I started my business. So I definitely think there's a lot more of that in all of us. It's really just identifying what it is so we can like actually create a solution and a strategy to help support us. That's what I was going to ask you. It sounds like you struggled with this. How did you get over it? And was there anybody who helped you along the way? Yes, definitely. When I started my business, I already kind of mentioned I'm on Upwork. I'm I'm getting my clients. I'm still in college at this time, by the way. So I'm building my business. I'm trying to like finish college because I was like Love over it. Absolutely Love over it. Doing beef studs, you know. And then I, you know, was full time in social media management. And I was kind of going through this, this obstacle of do I show up for my brand? Because I was like, what are my peers going to think? They're going to think like, what are you doing with your little business, like creating videos and stories and all those different types of things. So I was not only worried about what like the people in my life were going to think of my little business I was starting and starting to create video content, but I myself didn't feel confident. And I think everyone has their insecurities of why they might not feel great on video. But for me, it was definitely my age. Some might see that as something that's really valuable. And now looking back, I think that's what makes it I'm, it makes me a really valuable marketer is that I am Gen Z millennial cusp and I'm in it. I, I create content for fun all the time. I'm consuming it all the time. It's a big part of how I grew up with social media. But for me at the time, I thought there's so many people that have so much more years of experience. There's so much more professional. There's so much more established that if people know that I haven't had my first real client or people know that I'm only this young, that they weren't going to take me seriously. And so that's why I avoided at first. But even when I did start creating video content, I literally felt like I need to have like a a collared shirt on and I had to be really buttoned up in my video, which if anyone goes over to any of my video content, that is like farther from what I actually show up as. And so... I really had to realize that to consistently grow a brand, I had to exemplify my brand and my video content. And so I realized, how can I make it more fun? How can I feel more confident in my content? Which really meant doing it messy. Like when I look at my old videos, like the camera was too close to my face. I was like, it was shaky. The text should have been here. Like I could edit and tear apart all my old video content, but it was because I was practicing and doing it over and over and over again to now it's habitual for me and it's easy for me and it's such a big part of my marketing strategy. So I definitely not only struggled with all the insecurities and imposter syndrome, but I at first was like, I don't need to do it. I'll just do it for my clients. I'll just work behind the scenes. So that was really where I started, which is like night and day to where I am now. How do you see some of your clients using videos to make connections one-on-one with others. So maybe that's not necessarily, like obviously more than one person views the video, but are there times that a specific video is almost like, okay, we know one person is really going to resonate and that's because they're B2B and only need one client or, you know, like how, how do you think about like the, the individual viewer in this case? Yes. I think the first part is identifying who that viewer is. I think a lot of people go into creating video content and they don't really realize like who is this video content supposed to reach? We hear so much about viral growth and viral views when getting in front of a million people, if they're not all the right people is kind of doing a disservice to why we're even using video. So I 
I think the first part is really identifying like who that person is, what they're looking for, how they're consuming, what their problems are, what their interests are, how can you relate and connect with them? And that is what will translate to the content. So I think the first thing is like using our content or video content to be conversational, because I think what makes video so special is like you can hear and see the person that is a part of the brand, which makes it feel like you're not just consuming and there's like a megaphone of information at you, but you're like actually being a part of what they're saying, which then can encourage you to reply on stories, to leave a comment, whatever that conversation is, which just builds that trust with that person that could become a potential customer or client. But I think the other part of it is within the content we're creating is making sure that we're relating back to our audience. And like, yes, talking about what we're experts at or what product we're selling, like those are really important. But what are those connection points that can relate us back to the people that we're actually creating for? That's what creates a brand, right? I'm thinking of the brand Blue Land. They create kind of eco-friendly, zero plastic cleaning supplies. And so obviously they're going to talk about their cleaning supplies and how it works. Very interesting concept. But what actually gets the most engagement for them is more of the conversation around sustainability and the environment. Because the people they're wanting to connect with and build community with care about those things. Those are values that are aligned not only with the brand, but also with the community member, with the follower, with the audience they're trying to reach. So I think when we expand what we're creating beyond just like, here's my amazing product and offer and here's the tip and the hack and the how-to on what I'm an expert at and we can go a little bit deeper and like, how can I just connect with them and feel like I'm having that conversation with them. I feel like that's really where the magic happens. And I want to give a kind of more specific example. On my Instagram, I share about my daily matcha. I love matcha. Love it. I haven't had my matcha today. Who am I? That's really weird. What? Um, So I need to go do that after this. Okay, wait. Pause. Just pause. Pause. Got to go get my matcha. We'll be here. I'll be right back, (laughs) y'all. But it's become such a big part of my brand. I share it every day. I share it on my stories. It's like a connection point for my audience. And it might seem very random. Like, are you going to start selling matcha? Like, what does matcha have to do anything with video marketing? But when I think about my ideal follower, it's a business owner that chances are has a caffeine of choice, a morning beverage that they're always going to consume. (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Right? Everyone's like, yep, I'm probably sipping my beverage right now. And so I feel like it's a very intentional choice of something I share on my stories, in my video content that has nothing to do with what I do, but has everything to do with my brand and who I am and connecting with those people. And so this is where it gets into the example. When I was launching my program recently, I got an email from someone that was interested asking a bunch of questions. When does it start? Do you think it'd be great for me? Like all those FAQs. And the last question she put was what brand of matcha do you use? And so I think it shows how valuable those little touch points, those little things outside of what you do really do go a long way to building trust and connection and relationships, which is really where the power of video comes in. So am I getting this correctly that you are paid by Blue Land, but not paid by a matcha company yet? <laughs> I'm not paid by either, unfortunately. Oh, you got to step this up. I pay this both. I pay both of them. <laughs> Let's see if we can make that happen. Yes. We'll, we'll, we'll do some tagging. We'll do some sharing. But, but I love that too, Natasha, because I think what I feel like I heard a bit was that by getting over yourself 
And, you know, I think we kind of get in this, like, like you're saying, sort of the self swirl, which we can dive into a little bit about ourselves. But once we get past that, we are able to bring so much more good into the world because then we are kind of creating these connections or people feel less alone. From your perspective, you're giving them amazing tips and amazing ways that they can connect with their communities. They can grow their business. So all these kind of good things happen when you get out of your own head yes. and just take the leap of like, maybe it is showing up imperfectly as you're trying this new video for the first time. I am curious because Jimmy and I have both talked about doing video, but we haven't actually really done it. Is there a particular reason why would you say, Jimmy, that we haven't done it? Being lame, also not (laughs) wanting to get behind the camera, feeling like it's not native, not wanting to be fake or like not ourselves. So what I heard when you're talking about your matcha, you're like, yo, this is just me. Like I drink matcha and I do it every day. And I'm like, do I really want to do a downward dog video every day and put it out <laughs> on YouTube? But, and maybe that's not it for me, but you know, how, how to create that sense of intimacy and connection without being like directing your face. Like I want to be more intimate and share with you. Yes, definitely. And I think to what you're kind of sharing, that's a common fear that I hear is like, they're afraid of being cringe. They're afraid of being like basic and like what everyone else fear is the creating. cringe. Yes, yes, absolutely. Totally. And I think really what it comes down to is with short form video specifically, we've seen trending culture take off. And so a mm. lot of people think to create video content, I need to be a part of this trending game. And with the obvious nature of trends is we're literally all replicating and creating the same thing. And so that is really why I don't think we have to completely remove trends from our strategy. But I really think when we focus more on original video content, no matter where you're creating video content, it gives you that creative freedom of video is just the vessel for what I'm sharing. And it can be as simple as that and figuring out how does video feel good and creative for me? I think limiting consumption can be a way to do this. I think experimenting and just playing and having fun can be a great way to do this. And I think when we think about like habit, video at the end of the day is very much a habit. And so if you Mm. hate the habit that you're doing, you're not going to do it. If you're going to the gym and lifting heavy weights when you hate lifting heavy weights and you'd much rather be going for a walk or doing a dance class or going for a run, like whatever it is, you're never going to consistently do it. It's always going to be this chore. It's always going to be this tug and pull. But when you lean into what you do enjoy and what you do want to do more of and how you can infuse it into your own routine, then that makes doing things like my little matcha ritual very easy because it's also easy content for me. I'm already doing it and I'm creating it for video content instead of me doing it the other way around of I need to do this thing for video content. I'm already doing the thing and then I use it to create video content. That sounds just like me where I was like, I think I'm viewing a little too many of Dwayne The Rock Johnson's videos, (laughs) but I feel a little more comfortable with Esther the Wonder Pig and it's just a lot easier for me to do that daily. Yeah. And like, do you sit on air? Like I find there's a couple that I just like, they give me so much comfort to watch, (laughs) especially... As I said, I have daughters who are 20 and 17, or now actually almost 18, but they, they're things that just crack them up and they show me. And I just love to watch it because it just reminds me of how funny they think it is. And yeah. these little bits of content that like give me a lot of joy. And who knows if you are 
the person that's creating that thing and and that habit that people have of showing up with you in the morning and your matcha and them getting those tips that they feel really connected to. So I think it's getting beyond the cringe because I have the opposite. I am firmly Gen X. Uh, so I have a fear of like, <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> you are so old to be doing this. What are you doing? Why are you creating content? And that's one of the blocks, right? Like my block was the opposite. Yeah. And I think it's really important for us to identify like what that block is and just like dig deeper into it and be like, does that mean I can't create video content? Like who said that? Who made that a rule? I know a big thing I see with my clients is they do think they need to be really polished or really done up to be in their video content. And so I think it's really like identifying like what is that block? Like what is that thing that makes us hesitant to pick up the video camera and just do it? And sometimes it's as simple as I haven't done it. Like we haven't actually sat down and tried to do a little mini vlog or behind the scenes and reels and stories and whatever it is. We haven't done it. So we're going to be bad at it. We're not going to know how to do it. It's not going to be comfortable until we do it over and over again. But the other part of it is really identifying like, what is it? And just rewriting it. Because for the most part, it probably isn't true and isn't a reason to not show up on our video content. So I I think I might adjust your language just a little bit and call it binge the cringe. And that if (laughs) if you're ready to you know just continue to consume it, then you know it'll be okay for others. Yeah. As you were talking, for some reason, Natasha, it kind of like in my head, I was thinking, I wonder what because you see so many videos and you help others create videos, so you're both viewing and scripting often. How do you know what your ideal mentor for your next step, like look and sound like and act like on a video? You know, like, can you take us into that moment? Like, you're like, oh, Mm. yes, this person is somebody I hope I can begin a consistent relationship with. Yeah, I think for me, I'm thinking back to I recently invested in a coach for the first time in, in years. And I was scrolling on her Instagram and was great content and everything. And I also had just discovered her. So very fast, new follower to actual lead process. I was binging her content. It was all great. Watching her stories, was feeling connected, feeling her vibe. And it wasn't until I was on one of her lives and she was just talking about like a hot take, an unpopular opinion, a new perspective for thinking of something. And it just clicked for me because it allowed me to see how she was different from all the other mentorship options I had. But it also helped me literally paint the picture of like, oh, if I'm one of her coaching clients, this is what mentorship is going to look like for me. And and I can even attest to after working with her and investing for with her from that live that I had that same experience. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing more and more with how video relates to conversion is like people are buying off the vibes of the brand because chances are we all have competitors. There's tons of options. You could go invest in a million other video, Instagram reels, courses, products. Absolutely. But what makes me different is my approach. I don't lean into trends. I try to simplify video. I try to make it a habit. I try to make it fun, like all those types of things. And I like matcha and I like sunshine and all those different types of things, right? So to that question, I really think about being able to feel the vibe and see yourself in that mentorship relationship is what is really helping you feel confident moving forward with that mentor. At least for me, that's what I look at. I think it's that we want to work with people that we want to work with, right? We want to be around people who bring us that energy and helps make our business, our days, our lives, our futures just brighter. I love that you have the shine as part of it too. So I I really appreciate that. And that comes from being authentic. 
it's very hard to set up kind of this, you know, facade about yourself as a content creator when you're trying to get people to be interested in your business or what have you, if you're not, if you're not really being authentic. I'm curious, are you getting people reaching out to you to mentor them? Of course, you have your clients, which is, you know, and same with coaching. It's obviously a different kind of relationship. Are you finding that, you know, new grads or people are reaching out to you and, and how does that look for you? Yeah, definitely. I think a big part of my audience is more social media managers that are looking to not only possibly become more of a creator or have their own programs and courses, but also just are trying to figure out how to like create their own path of how they do want to manage their own clients content and how they want to show up as well. Because I know that as I mentioned, I was like, oh, I can just be behind the scenes and create content for my clients. That's something a lot of other social media managers feel as well. So I definitely think that whenever I get DMs from other social media managers, that's usually what the conversations are about is really wanting my own experience from that and wanting to eventually get to kind of be in a similar space that I am. So beyond the classic intro online of, you know, a whale swimming somewhere and saying a whale, like, nice to meet you. What is, <laughs> Julie wasn't into that one. <laughs> in the cringe, Julie. What? In, in the cringe. Yeah. It's like, it's like a whale. You're like, whale, nice. To, I don't know. Uh, whatever. Don't don't. Do I mean, we started with we started with the water theme, so yeah, I I like I, it. I started it. I started it. I got it. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> so, kind of within that, is there like a, a no fly list for you of intros when someone DMs you, or you're like, no, I'm not going to reply. No, this is not a good way to be, begin a relationship with me, even if it might seem genuine. You're, you're yeah. like, eh, it's I'm out. Yeah, I feel like for me, I always like to imagine that the interaction is happening in person at a networking event because I feel like that helps everyone approach social media differently because chances are you wouldn't go up to someone and say, hey, can I pick your brain for a second? You'd be like, oh my gosh, like, who are you? How are we connected? What do you do? Like, can we have a conversation first before you like come up to me at an event and say, can I pick your brain? You know what I mean? So I feel like that is, kind of my no-nos is whatever you wouldn't come up to me and say at a networking event, I probably will not receive well via DMs, especially since there's a lot less context with just the text. And there are so many spams and bots and things on social media. So it can be really hard for people to decipher. So that would be my tip for everyone. My God, that's brilliant. I have never ever thought of it that way. That is exactly imagining yourself at a networking event. Like what would you come up to somebody? Although I guess it'd be awkward if you texted, if you sent in a DM, like, can you, is this shrimp or crab? Or like, <laughs> <laughs> what, what? But, but you know, if it was like a, a neurosurgeon conference, maybe can I pick your brain is like a little more of a maybe, appropriate intro. Maybe more appropriate. Yes. I think that's the only place it's appropriate. <laughs> I think that's the only place. It is the most frequently cited no fly list statement. It's a bad one. Yeah, definitely. I just feel like if I'm a lot more likely, like I'm just thinking of one of my followers that is just like, honestly, always hyping up my content, like commenting, replying to stories, like sharing my content. And that is a person that honestly might never join my programs. And I'm totally okay with that. But because they're continuing to support my content, when she DM'd me, hey, I'm thinking like she's a social media manager. She's like, hey, I'm thinking of doing my own course and program. Like, can you just tell me your perspective and like how your programs work? And I was more I sent her tons of voice messages. I was like all for it. And I so I think it shows the value of like sometimes 
sometimes mentorship is a long game, especially when we're using social media as a connection point is like, just start replying on their stories, commenting on their content. I know you think that people that have like over 10,000 followers don't see it, but like we see it when you're con- your little bubble continually is in my notifications. I see it and I notice it and I might even go over and look at your content. So I feel like there's a lot to say also with like a, an element of patience and how we build relationships. That is so spot on, Natasha, about how you're connecting. I don't think I've ever seen this connection between digital and physical as well as you're describing it. Because I'm just realizing now, like as a teacher, when I see a student continuing to like nod their head or take a note, I'm like, oh, that's kind of me. That's like what I heard you say is like, oh, I'm seeing somebody like like my content or reshare it. So it's not like direct. It's kind of passive, but you notice it. And then when that student reaches out to me later on as a question, I'm like, I'm way more engaged because I know this person's already been engaging with me. So that wow, I I never saw it. And that needs consistency on both sides. It's consistency mm-hmm. of you as a content creator to continue to be creating content. And then it's consistency as a follower or, you know, somebody or your fan who consistently shows up, hopefully not in a creepy way, but like, no. just like you said, you know, in a very positive way, because that's a big deal. And then those relationships, I mean, we could probably do, my God, a whole episode of all the mentor-mentee relationships that have come out of that because yeah. you're both attracted to the same thing and you're both interested in the same thing. So gosh, that's a really brilliant way to think about it. We always talk about that a bit with job seeking, right? Especially I get a lot of people who ask me for jobs, but there's, you know, a lot of homework that needs to be done before you get to that point. Yeah. So, oh, I love that. That's great. Definitely. And I feel like it makes me think of what we were talking about with like my mentor when I started my business is like I was giving above and beyond in that relationship and she was pouring equally into me. And that's where it was able to be a successful mentee mentor relationship versus if I just showed up where I needed to for that internship, then she's probably not going to pour into me more. And I would understand that. So I think it's really about like energy reciprocation. I love it. So speaking of uh, energy reciprocation, I'll try to bring it here with a brief rapid fire word association. If you don't mind, I'm going to say a word around augmentors, and I'm curious what you will say back. So if I say the word mentor to you, what comes to mind? I think for for mentor, I think of someone that willingly pours into another Mm. person, dream, idea. Oh, I like that. So what if I say mentee? Someone that's willing to soak up and hear and observe and shift and grow how they're doing something to reach a new goal. I love it. Pours and soak. That is awesome. (laughs) How about sponsor? I just think about like funding a bigger picture goal. That's like kind of what I just think of off the bat. I gotcha. And lastly, on this one, the word coach. Helping and guiding people to find the answers. Awesome. I'm going to try something new, Natasha, which we haven't done before, but I'd love to Uh-oh. do the same Uh-oh. rapid fire <laughs> word association with you, but on a different theme. Okay. Okay. So this is, I think, going to be different, different platforms. Oh. So based upon style of videos on these okay. different platforms, when I say YouTube, what immediately comes to mind? The thing that immediately came to mind was discovery, but also just like more of a show, like a long-term bingeable show, like a, like a, the Netflix uh, of social media. That's kind of what came to mind. Oh, did you just make that up? 
I think I did. I think I did. Damn. All right. That's awesome. So that's a high bar. How about when I say reels, what comes to mind? Oh, with reels, I think there's a meshing of micro learning with entertainment and connection. Wow. All right. So that's like uh it's like a lame Hulu show, maybe. Uh, <laughs> no. Let's uh, roll with it. Yeah. How about Facebook Live? Oui. I have thoughts on Ooh, Facebook. I have thoughts on Facebook. <laughs> oh, 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 why? I think that it's even good. older than right. me, Jimmy. I feel I, like that's for people even older than me. Um I even was gonna older. say I just think of groups. Like when I think of Facebook Live, I feel like Facebook groups is really where that that really boomed and where it's so valuable is like bringing a group together around a conversation. Interesting. I like the groups part. Oi groups. And I bet it plays into it because if you get stuck in a different in a group that maybe you don't want to be in or you are in, it's hard to get out of that. And I'm yes. so two more, almost done. Snapchat. Oh my gosh. People still use Snapchat? That's my first my thought. Daughters. Yeah. <laughs> snap map. It's all about the snap map. <gasps> yes, the snap map. It's I guess stalker. It's stalker maps, content. Like Dora the Explorer <laughs> and maps. That's what I think about. <laughs> we love Dora. How did you know that? It's amazing. And though, of course, now, you know, the biggest party crasher of the last two years, TikTok. The scroll is just what I think about. And I feel like that is the most important part for people to think about from a consumer perspective or also a creator perspective it's it's all about like drawing people in and keeping people in from the scroll which is where the good happens but also the the bad the three hours on tiktok not me not me (laughs) (laughs) you know what was really interesting natasha because i was taking some notes here your actual like immediate reactions weren't necessarily words for each of these so i don't know if you picked up on this but when i said youtube (laughs) you had like a a thoughtful silence and then you said discovery whereas with reels you you smiled right away you lit up and then facebook live you went boy cringe it was a cringe it was a physical cringe i know it was amazing and 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 with snap you're like oh my gosh like you serious like come on you gotta be playing with me you know, it was, and and then with TikTok, you just were like, oh, <laughs> like yes, it was. I was experiencing was, all of them. <laughs> yeah, I, that's an amazing, like I don't know, the onomatopoeia or whatever of those videos you just brought. Like, yeah, I just really learned something there. Like that was like that, that was way better than like me reading about all the different ones. Just your like like physical reactions. So I love that was it. fucking awesome. I love it. Thank kept you. me on that my was, toes. Definitely kept me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely what we do around here. And I will definitely have to make this our first video, Jimmy, so that everybody can see Natasha's facial expressions from <laughs> all of these. Oh, so, so this can this both together. Comes to then, so like for the real reels, where do you actually, how do you edit them? What's your preferred you know platform of choice to edit or do you do it in app? You know, how do you do it? Yes. Great question. I personally love InShot. It is Android and iOS friendly. It has every advanced editing feature you'd need. I use the paid version because I use it every day, but they have a really great free version. So InShot, I've consistently seen as like my go-to tool to recommend. When I'm just doing very simple edits of what I like to call a quote video, for example, a quote video is as simple as it sounds. It's just B-roll video footage, and then you add a quote, like native text right on top. 
laptop. So for those types of videos, I do do them native in the app, but that's probably the tools I use the most often. I also feel like Canva is really stepping up its game. I've been playing mm. with Descript, especially for longer form content. And also um, Veed.io um, is another desktop option. So I always like to give desktop options because I know editing on the phone isn't for everyone. It's mm. bad for your eyesight. Bad for your fingers, bad for your neck, your fing- bad yeah. for a little bit of everything, I'm sure. <laughs> we'll learn more in the next right. 10 years or so. Wow. All right. I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think I might be an edit on my phone kind of person. So InShot and I are about to become friends. Yeah. Try it out. Honestly, Natasha, this has been so much fun. Do you have any kind of parting words of advice for our listeners or just kind of your mantra? Do you have one or two that you wouldn't mind just sharing? Yeah, I feel like to wrap up everything we discussed today is just like really rewriting what showing up on video means for your brand and simply by just enjoying the content you are creating more and making it simple and sustainable for you, it will lead to the results you want. Like it seems like it it you want to focus on the strategy and the creating and creating, but it really essentially supports whatever goal or result you're wanting with your video. So that would be my recommendation for everyone. Well, I love it. How did you, did you actually meet Ellen Yin of Cubicle, the CEO? I've only virtually, only virtually we've connected. I'm like a big fanboy of uh, Ellen. I think her yes, podcast she's amazing. And content is phenomenal. So Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Natasha, thank you so, so much. All the ways to connect with Natasha are in the show notes. Definitely listen to Natasha's podcast, Shine Online, part of our HubSpot podcast network. And uh, we are so grateful for your time. Jimmy, Wow. That was so much fun. I learned so much. I know. Can you believe Natasha met Ellen Yin? (laughs) I think what she brought to this conversation, I learned so much. Seriously, Natasha is sharp. And just by following her online, you are going to learn a lot about how to represent yourself digitally and to connect more authentically with others. She does that via video at a high level. I definitely feel like it gave, I don't know, gave me a bit more confidence. I think we should just try some of these. Should people find us over at TikTok? What do you think? Just start. Maybe not TikTok at the jump, but I do agree. I think we need to just get over our fear, not even a failure, but our fear of just being lame and embrace it, which I'm just going to keep saying, binge the cringe. That's going to be my term of kind of just do it with video. Similar to uh, fear the deer classic sports term. We're just going to binge the cringe. I don't know what fear of the deer means. What does it mean as a non-sports person? Usually when the Boston Celtics are going to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the (laughs) Eastern Conference playoffs, they're saying fear the deer and we're just going to, you know, just lucky leprechaun them out of the way. That happens just as much as binging the cringe. So I think we're just going to jump in. We're going to binge the cringe. The other thing I loved, she brought so many great pieces of wisdom, one especially around how she showed up as an intern in college, which I think is so helpful, like actually show up, learn, jump in, do it. But she said to approach people online, if you want them to be your mentor, like you would at a networking event. And I do love me a good networking event. I'm a good cold caller at a networking event. I know. No, you've seen me in action. It's good. It's fun. But you always have to think of that opening line and that way that you can immediately connect with somebody. So use that digitally the same way that you would in person. That's huge. Great tip. Such a good mental check. 
It's such a good mental check. I'm going to be actually segment of class next week. I'm going to be bringing this up as part of my personal management and just, you know, ability to self-organize part of my class next week. Can I come? Segment. I could use some help. Jimmy. You've been invited, but uh, I think you uh, postponed to a different date, which is okay. Natasha's point, though, is just so well received. I mean, think of the ways you reach out to people and even the ways that we met. I would have said the exact same thing to you if I had seen you in person. I might have not had quite as much time to peruse your LinkedIn before walking up to you if I saw you at a networking event, but it was still a very similar way of being authentic and not trying to represent yourself as something that's, you know, weird. I mean, it made me think a lot about the doggy days, which is my favorite Instagram slash TikTok. And there are these two really adorable little dogs in New York City that get dressed up. And I often respond to Dior and Obi-Wan. And I have for years now. And I have now developed a relationship with the uh, the handle owners. So they want to see pictures of Sunny. So in my own little teeny weeny way, not related to business, not related to mentoring, because Sunny will never be as good as Dior and Obi-Wan. It works. Now we have a little relationship going. We're going to have a little doggy, a doggy meetup. I'm not sure where to go with that. I did not realize that Sunny was making digital friends with famous brands like uh, Obi-Wan and Dior, who I would not expect to be friends. Obi-Wan's style is a bit uh, understated. I know. I know. They are. Okay. That's just being real life. Regardless, my final takeaway, the the og takeaway here, is that a video is worth ten thousand words. We added on a new immediate reaction, rapid fire word association segment at the end, and we went through five different platforms for video. And Natasha's responses, they're verbal but not words, were incredibly powerful. The way she had thoughtful silence after YouTube, uh, how she just smiled when she heard reels, and then the kind of interesting word choices after live and snap and TikTok. Uh, there was so much more depth and understanding. I felt like I knew her better just from those five quick questions than if we had taken hours and hours of time to go through blogs and read about all of her different work. To me, it was just an immediate way of realizing if you can have somebody watch a video and interact and kind of feel the way you're feeling because you're able to bring so much more context and nonverbal cues and tone of voice and, and so much more just like really like engagement with the camera videos can be 10,000 words. Thank you, Andy Warhol, but we are going to 10X it with video over a picture. I think that's why video marketing is really popular these days. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I totally agree. And even video conferencing, like, you know, kind of starting already with that, you can, you know, immediately tell when I can tell when you're rolling your eyes at me and I can tell when you're deeply engaged in my long story. Of course, of course. But I was thinking as I was standing here, I'm like, okay, well, what's the next level? You know, if video is the next level after blogs and whatnot, I think we need to start developing. Probably it has to be a phone app and you put your phone onto the back of like your neck or something. And it would have then like a device, like an old video game handheld console Ooh. that when somebody's talking, it would like vibrate in a certain way. And you would begin to have this now like proceptive. What's that word? Proceptive. Isn't that like an, I mean, is that augmented reality? But backwards? I think it is. On the back yeah, of your head? 
Yes. Proprioceptory. Oh, God. That could be the brand name. Yeah. Whatever it is, somebody can take that and run with it. But uh, that would be quite a, an interesting way to bring. Well, I guess the next level is feeling what other people are feeling, is actually having some way that you can feel how other people feel during a content absorption. Mm. I mean, do you really want to feel how bad I got to go to the bathroom right now? <laughs> no, I know. No. <laughs> but I think that's a no, good way to end the episode. Yeah, we had too much fun. There's no way I could get up when talking to Natasha. So I hope you all enjoyed as much as possible and go find us on our YouTube channel at Augmenters HQ. See you soon. Wow, you've made it this far and we thank you. Hopefully you enjoyed our episode and discovered new ways to bring more authentic connection into your mentoring relationships. Want to tell them more, Jimmy? Be an Augmenter with us. Visit our website for the best interactive mentoring content at augmenters.us. Share our podcast with someone you care about. Like and subscribe. And yes, really, you following our show and writing a review, it's a big deal. Your actions provide us with the resources to continue our undefeated, unencumbered, prize-winning productions. We welcome questions and suggestions via email, hi at augmenters.us or on social with our handle at AugmentorsHQ. We are most active and available on LinkedIn and YouTube. Shout out an earnest thank you to our intrepid producer, Erlen Cato. We appreciate you. Augmenters out. See ya. Thank you.